0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Documentality. Uh, this is a conversation that's going to happen between three people who barely know what the hell they're talking about, about a very esteemed form of art. I don't know exactly what we're doing here, but my name is T Christie, and um, I, I have microphones, so this is how you got me. I'm sitting next to my friend Paul Santagata, Hi, a man, a connoisseur of the fine arts, and also like seven dollar pizza, and then Eddie the Eddie Doty, that's me. A man, a myth, a legend, an editor, a documentarian himself,
1: and a fan of the forum. Yeah. No, and that's and that's sort of the reason for doing this is that uh. You know, yeah. Give us the pitch here. Give us the pitch. It's sort the of the here? mission statement, I guess, for the whole reason for doing this. You know, we had talked on our other podcast, uh, formerly known as Redacted, now known as What Are You Doing, Movie. We had talked quite a bit at length about that about should we ever do a documentary? What is there to do a commentary on a documentary about? How would that exactly work? And I, I realized that it sort of wouldn't, but that doesn't mean that isn't there isn't a conversation worth having about the form. We're sort of at this weird precipice now where never before has there been more access to documentaries with the various online streaming. I know like nine guys with documentaries on Netflix. Exactly. And more than ever, people are making and viewing documentaries that a far greater rate now the problem is is that how exactly do you break down this term documentary is it form or is it genre because what i've seen you know it, it is is something like i way way never sorry the same as bowling for columbine is loose change the same as mr death i mean it's these are these are what the hell is exit to the gift shop exactly and my big point of contention is, is that there is a gigantic difference and people are lumping all these kinds of films together, but there's a gigantic difference between an actual film looking to tell the story that just happens to be nonfiction and a political or social polemic that is trying to make a point and trying to convince you of an argument and a character piece where look at this funny person doing this quirky thing, and there's no real story arc there. Especially with short documentaries, you tend to see this a lot. And both excited for the future because again, you know, we as we competed in the international documentary challenge recently, you know, it, the the tools are there, uh, the the means of delivery of the content is there, but there doesn't seem to be so much of a quality control there, or even just like a. A, a, a spiritual totem guide there to say, "Hey, look, are these working as films?" Because in my opinion, the best documentaries work as films that just happen to not necessarily be scripted before the event.
0: So, I'd like to introduce you all to your spiritual totem. Well, we're gonna try, folks. <laughs> so,
1: Edward R. Doty. Uh, th- that's
0: not my Edward name. Bracket Doty.
1: I'll I'll take Bracken, Edward however. Ampersand Doty. Okay, Edward N. Doty, kind of like a Ooh, that's a, not bad. fifties private eye firm that you know operates just the side of the wrong side of the law. No, I think, I think realistically, and the whole point of this and what we're sort of looking to accomplish is to compare and contrast different documentaries that may share a theme or a genre or a point of view, but are drastically different. And I think hopefully over the episodes that we do of this, we'll get to explore and sort of illuminate some of those differences and kind of just, you know, in a way cause more discussion to happen because I see so many people now saying, oh, I love documentaries. And they're talking about things like fat, sick, and nearly dead and super size me, which again can be entertaining, but they're just trying to convince you of something. It's almost like it's it, it, it's propaganda. It's borderline propaganda. And which again, if you understand the history of documentaries, you know propaganda has had a very important role in documentary filmmaking history. But I, I Shit, if we filmmaking can just, history in general. If we can exactly if we can just sort of differentiate and set up clear standard bearers for What these films are and how just if the more discussion about the differences between documentaries, the better I feel and we can kind of hopefully have fun doing it.
0: All right. So we're going to start. What are you doing movie from scratch for documentaries this time? I'm excited. I'm really excited. Also, I think we really should have called the podcast borderline propaganda because
1: that's badass sounding. Um, (laughs) Let's start at the beginning then. What is a documentary? The, the difference we should be concerning ourselves with is what documentary films are not. And they are not journalism. There's a distinction to be made. Journalism is reporting the facts as they come in. Documentaries are directed by a director who therefore has a point of view. Is there, but that seems like
0: it's a, uh, this isn't the point you were making, but it seems like it will naturally extend to a moral distinction. Basically if, if the purpose I would have, I would have assumed you would have said the opposite of that, which is that documentaries at their truest form eliminate the truth and nothing but and you have to completely keep, the, keep the director as far away from it as possible completely disagree no? because yeah because i should probably it, take ken burns out of my mind for the rest of this conversation
1: well huh? but even so ken burns i mean you if you if you really study like civil war historians like there's yes he included as much as he could because it's a gigantic in like the civil war documentary uh as much as he could to to cover those events but he still has a point of view now there are historical documentaries and this is again where sort of the you know where sort of the genre breaks at the end is is this is where those you know as the river breaks into a delta so do the many different ways you can do a documentary you can certainly you can certainly have the option of just including all the facts as much as you can with as little presence as possible but again in my mind the shining examples of the genre are the ones that tell a story and i think a storyteller is beholden only to tell the story as they see it We're all going to see the same facts just a little bit differently. And a a documentary filmmaker, when, you know, editing and writing and shooting and doing whatever they need to do, they have a point of view and it is their responsibility to assert their point of view and therefore make the film more than just a a, a monologue. That's a big thing is like a lot of quote documentaries that I see now, especially the political polemics. The big question I always ask is, does this work better as an essay? Does this work better as a lecture? is there any difference between if someone got up on a lectern and had a slideshow and was saying the same words that these people on camera are saying Am I getting the same information and the same emotional response? Does this need to be what it is? Exactly. Does it need to be a film? Can it not just be a lecture with a slideshow filmed and put on YouTube? And why exactly isn't this a blog post? Yeah, exactly. yeah. why a blog post or, or an article or a you know an right. entry in you know uh, an op ed, you know what I mean? like the whole point of film is to make you think while also making you feel and that's just filmmaking in general because it's to access multiple senses at, in the unique way that only cinema can. So a documentary should, it, can it inform you? Absolutely. But it's there to tell you a story and have you have an emotional response to it. And it happens to be true or at least grounded in a true event or
2: true people.
0: Now, Paulu, you. Um, I know that you are particularly uncomfortable with taxonomy when it comes to works of art. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, compartmentalization is something that Paul's not a fan of. So I want you to fight your own demons and I want to see the result uh, as you answer the following question. What you is the difference between journalism and documentation, I guess? Documentary? Um,
1: <laughs>
2: documentary? Just a documentary film, man. Okay. Docu- okay. Documentarizing. With a documentary, you get the freedom to, I think, editorialize a lot more. You get to pick and choose uh, exactly what it is that you're trying to say to get the points across that you're trying to get across. You're not beholden to journalistic standards so much as size and shape that you want to make the story. Eddie, I, help me out. Does that make no, sense? I mean,
1: he, he, what he's saying is absolutely true. I mean, and that's and that's... It, you know again a, a journalist has like a public service you know what I mean like that journalism is a, a, a function of the public good, yeah you have your you hippocratic I mean? journalistic I, I, yeah ideally I mean who knows how much in this day and age of that it still holds true but you know that that is still like the ideal is that you have you haven't you, you are performing a public service by informing
2: Ooh. as a as a documentarian you are allowed to have much less integrity and you can use that to your advantage
1: yeah I don't mean it, I, <laughs> no, I, I, I don't mean to be smart I'm not trying yeah. to
2: say lack of integrity in the pejorative, I'm trying to say lack of integrity. As you're a less beholden
0: to an omnipresent version of the events,
2: right? You get to work much more. Ideally, on
0: CNN, they don't get to play the Dear Zachary card on you. They, t- right. they, 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 they. Basically, a documentarian gets to bury the lead for effect.
1: In a lot of ways, yeah, basically but it's treating also, the truth like a magic trick. I, I've always maintained that you know a really good documentary should still follow the same narrative beats and rules that every other film does i mean you can have a hero's i mean what is king of kong if not a hero's journey you know what i mean like what i mean you know what what is a lot a lot of the best documentary stories if not very similar to a lot of the myths that we've been telling each other as human beings for the last you know tens of thousands of years 100,000 years you know it's like it's it's how is there much of a difference? I don't think so. Ideally, at least. Well, that's well. That's fair enough. But then I, I guess it's time to
0: really confront this issue of right off the bat because it's something that's going to come up a lot in this show. Yeah. Um, let's confront the issue of the relationship between documentaries and truth with a capital T. Obviously, there's a very limited amount of that in our universe, but there is some right. in terms of like you know order of events and stuff like that. In King of Kong, which I think is an outstanding film. Just a really fun film to watch, you know, without casting aspersions it's my understanding that there's also some fast and looseness played with the version of the story they tell.
1: And that happens with every documentary,
2: just Just, every single story.
1: Yeah. Just, just by its nature. I mean, you can't have compression without, without changing the story. You can't, you can't compress the timeline without significantly altering, um, you know, altering, uh, the story itself. You have a responsibility to the larger truth. I feel you have a responsibility to like the grander scope of the truth from your perspective. And there's a lot of ways to, to view it. Just King and Kong in and of itself, you as an example, you could take, I mean, you could have switched perspectives and made that more about Billy Mitchell and use it from his point of view and told the same story, but it would be a very, very, very different movie. So if you're the filmmaker and you see the event, you have An opportunity to say okay which part of the story responds to me not that dissimilar from a narrative filmmaker it's like you brought up Transformers and Michael Bay it's like Michael Bay wasn't originally interested in directing Transformers but when he thought about the relationship of Sam owning his first car that was his access point. That's how he viewed that, and that's how we ended up with that movie that we did. But
0: doesn't there, I don't know, like I, this is something that I never thought about before. So you're hearing an idiot uh, try to come up with a thought for the first time in front of you. But it seems like there should be some sort of a, a, a natural inclination towards something a little bit more uh, not restrained, but I guess reverent. If your if your if your point of entry into the overall form is things that happen to people that exist, as opposed mm-hmm. to you know sketches on a cocktail napkin somewhere, I feel like you have to be. I, the more I think about it, if I'm not careful, I'm about to talk myself into thinking that documentaries are, like, evil. Um, it seems like uh, you, you should serve a greater God with a documentary than you do with a film.
1: It seems like you should. Th- those two things aren't mutually exclusive, though. You know I mean? You can still have your point of view as best as you see it and absolutely approach everything with reverence. And, yeah, I mean, you'd have to be a monster to just—if if, if the guy who made Dear Zachary, you know, which deals with a really horrible story, was just an asshole about it and tried to just, you know, barge his way into—and manipulate that story every which way he could— yeah. He's a total dick and the movie would reflect that. What I'm trying to say is that you can still have reverence for your subjects, still have a good relationship with people. I mean, as we participated in this documentary challenge, you know, it's like fighting in plain sight, deals with murder, you know what I mean? And and as we're trying to expand this into a feature, we have some landmines to navigate. We have to, I specifically as the director of that, have to be very conscious of honoring the people involved in these stories as best as I could but I'm still have to honor my point of view of it as well the balance is the tricky part and that's what has a lot I think a really good example of this is a documentary by the name of uh Stevie if you ever go see it uh Steve James he was the director of Hoop Dreams uh it was the second documentary he made after Hoop Dreams and it tells the story about how him and his wife were or he specifically was a member of the uh, the Big Brothers Big Sisters program in the Chicago area. Sure, yeah. And he ended like up being, community outreach. Yeah, he ended up being a big brother to this kid named Stevie. And he always liked Stevie. Stevie was kind of from a messed up home and was a really quiet kid, but really nice and shy. And he lost track of Stevie. And so he made a documentary of, hey, I want to get back in touch with Stevie. And he does. And oh, man now stevie is now a stevie has a lot i mean i don't want to spoil it because i would highly, i mean as we make our points here we're going to illustrate and use examples of documentaries but i would highly recommend that because that is an example of and and steve james the director appears on camera regularly as he interacts with stevie and stevie's family and all this other stuff and he becomes part of the story and there's a great moment in there where it's the reality it's you know it's the verite footage it's the reality of him talking to his uh stevie's mom and sister and he says look and he says in the in the actual moment he says look you know i don't want to sit here and try to preach to you about how you should how you should have raised your kid and then he keeps talking but then the sound drops out and then you hear narration of steve james go and then for the next 45 minutes i proceeded to do exactly that wow okay okay all
0: right then let me ask both of you this because i i I still want to figure out the world around me when it comes to this stuff and you guys come from it from different angles but i think you have uh, at least more form to pains than I do. Is there? Have you ever seen a documentary that crossed a line for you, morally or intellectually? In the bridge case? came pretty close.
1: The bridge? That's the, bridge. the one about people who kill themselves jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah. I mean, it opens with... Footage of a guy jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge to his death.
0: Well, well, I do want to ask that question too. The one that I was thinking of is more in terms of presenting a version of the reality that they're just saying is true. When you know that there's more to it than that, has one ever gone so far where you're like, "That's not really how it's. This is uncool of you to do this. Please stop this." Sort of taking an emotional, human, real story and and almost intentionally telling the version of it that isn't. And- Really conducive to understanding it very well, and just basically muddying the waters further. Have you ever seen a documentary yeah. that you're like, "This is where the line should be drawn. You not shouldn't from, do
1: this." Not from neck to Nuts, not from like top to bottom, but I would. say You've seen moments of that. Kind I've of seen stuff moments of that. Absolutely. I mean, uh, Roger and Me. You know, like I think. Uh, I think there's some of Michael. Roger Me was Michael Moore's first yeah, documentary. Yeah, I mean, and and then some of the subsequent ones, the big one is, uh, as well. Uh, the big one, I think, his interview with um, the guy, uh, Phil Knight from Nike. I, and not to defend Phil Knight, but I think. There are moments, it's and that's where we descend into sort of the gotcha journalism moments, which you know, I, you know, regardless of where I how where I agree with Michael Moore on the political spectrum, regardless of that, I feel like there's a point where the film um, you owe the it,
0: characters the benefit of being able to tell it their yeah.
1: I, I also think uh, Kurt and Courtney was a bit exploit, exploitative of some of you know as they delve deep into the backwoods of you know the greater Washington area to talk to some of these people. I feel like you know there wasn't as much vetting uh so, i mean just in general i think uh, uh the director of that I, whose name escapes me right now mike uh blue i forget his name um uh, but in some of his other movies like eileen portrait of a serial killer and that's a good example as well uh i, I think there are moments where it's just like I just, i'm feeling too much of the director as a character and i'm feeling too much of the director as like the focus of attention i should say And and uh, as opposed to the director, like the director's point of view should be omnipresent, but the director's presence shouldn't be felt that often. You know what I mean? Stevie is an example where it works, but it doesn't always work. Anytime you throw the director in front of the camera, you run the risk. Super Size Me by and large works because inherent to the plot is one man's journey and he just happens to be the character. He's he's self guinea pigging. Right. And there's enough reality there to make it work. Um, This film was not yet rated. There's just enough Kirby Dick on camera to tolerate it you know what but I mean? this film is not yet rated
0: paul have you seen that movie yeah it's great uh i liked it a lot i thought it was great it's about the mpaa and the weird restrictions that they've been applying since you know the dawn of time and jack valenti and fun stuff about censorship and hip- hypocrisy and it's fun um but that movie actually came dangerously close to being over the line for me because interesting the, well the point that kirby dick is making at least partially towards the third act of that documentary is these people should not be held in secret they should be held accountable this is you know right. this should not be this you know dark eyes wide shut sort of scenario where we don't know who they are, what they're doing, but we do know that they, they wear the mask and they judge the people, blah, 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 blah. blah. Uh, I agree with that philosophically and you know, yes, totally agree with you. The MPA should be doing that. But when the reviewer board, kind of fell victim to that and he's putting like their houses and their faces on the yeah, screen. Yeah, he and...
1: outs them at the very end of the film. Now
0: I understand the point. I understand yeah. the emotional gut punch of that. I understand the success and I understand that I as an audience member even at that time having conflicted opinions about it was having this really cool moment like, yeah, fuck that lady who didn't know this was happening. That's I don't know how I feel about this. That year old grandmother. Yeah, exactly. Who, yeah. Now, now he's making the point <clears throat> that these people are... <laughs> Uh, necessary casualties of his own you know worldview
1: but would they have signed up for but would that they have signed they up for this yeah. exactly like
0: exactly. you know part and partial of their job <coughs> is that they were told no one would ever find out now whether or not that's right totally up for debate it's a moot point but yeah. they signed up for no one's gonna do this to me and then it did and as much as i love this film was not yet rated and the points it makes and the history that it tells and, and, the, and the, you know it's a very illuminating kind of doc it's great and i love kirby that beat was really uncountable for me.
1: That's interesting that you mentioned that. I actually want to revisit that because I actually haven't seen that film in quite They just sometime. start outing and they do a whole list. To set no, out, yeah, like, yeah. You know, it's fun just, music. Of, I remember the here's moment. Here's this guy. Here's this lady. Here's yeah, this guy. It's like an animation moment. Like they, like, well, they also
0: story. do that with the lawyer. But it just yeah. generally, it's like, bleh. now this is where I don't know where to draw the line internally when it comes to the relationship between truth and full disclosure and documentary. Uh, because you want to present the version of the truth that makes your point you want your point to have at least enough integrity to take into account the points of others. And you also, you know, don't want to be a fucking sociopath. I'm not saying Kirby Dick is a sociopath, but you don't want to be like, I'm just going to out everyone's dirty laundry constantly because it's my right
1: to do this. Blah, blah, blah. I don't know where the line gets drawn because that moment felt really weird for me. In a lot of ways, the line gets broken a lot. And in, in some ways you were privy to that. Uh, when we were doing fighting the plain sight, I had done a rough assembly one night before I went to bed. And then when I woke up, you guys were already there. And, um, You were looking at the cut, and I said, so what did you think? And you all had very honest and very good notes in terms of you spend way too much time talking about this to arrive at this point, and we sort of lose the thread for the first, I mean, because it was a long cut to begin with. But in doing that, you were changing the reality. Okay, you bitch. See what I'm saying? Damn it. And that's the thing. It's like, and you could have asked me, like, well, do you need all that? It's like, well, no, I don't need all that, but what I'm trying to do is establish the you're sport. trying to
0: Kubrick it and let the audience build their own edit out of what you're seeing. Well,
1: I have to like inform the audience because I'm uh, because the sport took place in mixed martial arts. I have to account for the fact that most audience is going to look at that and come up with preconceived notions about who these people were. You need a primer to ca- on the subject first. I had to counter that, and so I had to counter that because ultimately one of those dudes is going to murder somebody else. So I need to like not just make that be oh well that is exactly what I would have expected from that. I had to spend that time establishing the love and the warmth of that community. If I hadn't done that, the film wouldn't have worked, you know, and that's something I have to keep in mind in the feature is that I have to keep that thread in
0: there. Paul, what is your opinion when it comes to truth and I guess editorial hands when it comes to telling real stories? I mean, does it make you uncomfortable the way this, what I was just saying about this film is not yet rated seem like something you felt before, or is that not something that enters into your appreciation
2: of a movie? Somebody can make a movie about Teague right now Mm -hmm. and have plenty of perfectly legal footage of you leaving your house. Every day, every day for a year or just like walking to your car or sitting at lights picking your nose and it's all perfectly reasonable like that's all perfectly legal. Legal yeah. Legal yeah. Um, morally whatever but um, when you have a job that's responsible for the uh, the cultural palette of the, the entire world. Yeah like, that's fair enough. Literally the entire world. You're dealing with multi-million dollar projects that are hundreds of millions of dollars a piece that are being marketed and shipped globally
0: that you are controlling the point that they're making to a certain extent yeah. i guess that's based true based on
2: so. a based on the lives of a dozen people that live in the valley what i guess that's i mean that's fair yeah.
0: but have you ever had a moment where you were watching a documentary maybe not that one but another one and you you, you were suddenly like you you didn't feel like there was any sort of an emotional maybe or even legal line that was crossed, but you suddenly went from not really having an opinion about the director to thinking the director's an asshole.
2: Not not that I can think of. My problems with documentaries usually aren't the director being an asshole on purpose. It's being an asshole by accident. Yep. Oh like um, what? Like what are you talking about? The kind of thing where somebody doesn't understand that they're either that their point of view of them is colouring it way more than their it's it's a mindfulness of their own subjectivity, I see that the failure of which can really ruin a story.
0: It sort of, I see what you're saying. Like limiting your, limiting, basically limiting your art by your unlimited worldview, and then you're just looking at this thing from the one side, and everyone else is looking at you like you're an insane person. It's a, it's an
2: otherness. Whistling thing. to your own belly
1: button. The the pitfalls of bad narrative filmmaking still apply for bad documentary filmmaking. You can still have a third act that doesn't make sense. You can still have. Uh, character motivations not fully line up you are still beholden to all those same rules at least i feel you should be um the problem is that sometimes the reality just doesn't play out so then it's like it's up to you to present that reality in such a way so that it makes sense so that the the audience can still follow the story would you say there's a correlation
0: um this is a very speculative and weird question and i'm sorry but try to piece it together what i'm what i'm asking. Would you say there's a correlation between documentaries that you find to be of higher quality than others and documentaries that present the world in a nearer to objective way? Like the ones that are more actually that's kind of just how it happened and it's an amazing story that happened for real this way. Or is it, you know, is there no correlation and you can make an excellent documentary that doesn't cross any boundaries um, out of shit that you're basically making up wholesale?
1: The the documentaries that feel the most genuine to me are the ones that are very clearly from somebody's point of view. If a documentary tries to present all sides of you at once uh, in a in a non-linear fashion, just upfront, here's the facts. Then I feel like I I feel like it it's almost disingenuous because that's not how life works. That's not how we work. That's not how our perception works. The brilliance of the Paradise Lost documentaries is not that they present all the facts to you up front. It's not. When you watch the first paradise, go back and revisit the first paradise lost documentary. When you start off that movie, it's very much on the side of the victims. It's not until time goes on and you see more of Damien Echols and and the West Memphis three that you realize, because that first act of that movie, you're like, yeah, fuck these kids. But then the second you like start spending more time with Damien Echols and all the other victims, you're like, well, this isn't making sense. So that those directors had a point of view because they themselves went on a journey. It, they 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 took you on an analog for their journey, and and that that's what they're responsible for. By the time they get to Paradise Lost three, it's very much these kids are innocent. It's fucked. We got to reform the system. Boom. But it, that's the journey over 20 years. You right, know what I mean? Right, right. So there's room for all kinds of interpretations of what the documentary reform is. I'm just saying the with because of the access to technology and the distribution models people kind of go the path of least resistance, which is footage, music, narration. Right. And that that's troubling to me. It breeds laziness at It least.
2: does breed laziness, yeah. Just because I like these sort of silly thought experiments, then where would you put something like Empire that is just 24 hours of... Film running on the Empire State Building for a day. Oh right, uh, th- that's more like an almost like an art piece. You know what I mean? Well, like, what's the what's the difference? Like you're gonna start prescribing like a percentage of this. This is too arty. This is no, I, no. About. It's it is it is exactly what it is. Wait, just you to be know, clear, just, is
0: Empire literally a 24-hour movie that's just one shot that's a lock-off of the Empire State Building? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so there's no editorial hand in the
2: reality that's happening. None. There's zero the editorial. Effect? Well, I guess uh, that's where the distinction. But that's. I,
1: w- I would say that's more along the lines of a film like Baraka or Quay and Scotsi. Uh No, Baraka, those movies,
2: I don't. I I disagree entirely because even even if you're you're watching You're watching Cousin some and dancers, edits. and like you're just watching them dance for that moment. Like they have their own lives and their own problems and their own issues, and it's you're not dealing with book. that at all because that's not the emotional crescendo that the directors are going for. They want to show you a tableau of they're kudos these, these real people. They're yeah. You're just getting this like relentless wash of right. humanity and art and beauty and it does and build and yeah i mean
1: and, and something like babies does kind of as well and like i i get you th- i get you there which by the way but your
0: cool. point is that the baraka isn't any more or less real than the empire state building is it's not less real just because it's been edited but it's also not more real because well, it's
2: it, if you want to get all selective like, if you want to get all fruity with it like it is edited you're only <laughs> seeing 24 instances of the empire state building for a given second like and everything that's happening directly outside of that frame is ignored not a part and of not the movie at all um, things come into it, and this ex- is a like, better
1: example than I was initially giving you credit for. Good job. No, it's it's a very good example. I, would, I mean, look, I mean, is it, it's telling the story. It's just a matter of how much value do you place on the story being told to you. You know what I mean? I would I would argue that Empire is a story. It doesn't necessarily follow an arc. It just is the story. It's it's a very simple story. It's the things that happened to that building. It's that a day. thing from this perspective for this amount of time on this day. Whereas this right, well, the if it thing was, that
2: I'm getting to, and sort of what I guess Empire is getting to, like kind of on a meta level, is that every image anything is all it's all fabrication no matter how much you're prescribing to your adherence to the truth or your adherence to um what actually happened which is a kind of silly idea anyway given we've already uh tried to address the infinite varieties of human experience whenever you're sitting down to watch a movie you're watching millions and millions of decisions that have come to create the thing that you are seeing and you're not just seeing those decisions you're seeing the decisions that resulted in that director person or whoever made the documentary, that way, right. the way that they were, and all the interactions that they've had with anybody ever, and everybody that their parents have ever had with anybody ever, like it's so there is no objectivity. There's absolutely not. There, there
1: is no objectivity. I guess what I'm just saying is that in terms of in terms of delivery method of whatever it is you're trying to tell me, uh, you know, it's, it goes back to show and don't tell. And I think there's a lot of, too many documentaries, especially now, are in the tell mode, which is narration, image, music, as opposed to show, which is show me images. Let me hear some words, pace it out for me so that I feel a thing, you know what I mean? So that my feelings facilitate the information you're trying to deliver. And and to me that, I mean, and that's again, just storytelling, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like someone, if it's like when you go, when you're a kid and you go to the library for some, for a professional storyteller to read you a story, they don't just sit there and just read you the words. There's pauses, there's breaths, there's expressions, there's animations, there's they're kind of of they do. They're acting, they're performing for you. So, but they're doing that. Why to give to not just deliver information about the big bad wolf? They're framing it. Yeah, they're framing it. And but but it's again, it's the emotional and the informational delivery simultaneously. And I think in documentaries, people tend to forget the emotional side of it a bit too much. Except the only emotion that they seem to easily access is anger, because that's what I feel like a lot of political polemics are trying to accomplish anger so that you get motivated and agree with them for a cause. People really hate that political figure, and they just had to make a movie. Exactly. Capturing the Freedmans, which shows you many different perspectives of this winding story, in which, in my mind, better than any documentary of recent memory, in terms of delivering beats of information that alter the trajectory of the story and lead the audience with, with purely by carrot... Uh, very few films do that. Dear Zachary is up there, but very few few films sort of like just when you think you've got it figured out, they introduce another piece of information that changes the scope of the story for you again.
0: Yeah, Dear Zachary is uh, fucking rough. It's the requiem for a dream of documentary. It, it
1: really is, and 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 that's a very that's a very apt description because for that one, uh, it is such an aggressive st- way to tell the story visually.
0: Either he accidentally didn't make a movie that went too far, or. He's just exceptionally good at knowing exactly what he can and can't get away with in terms of the, you know, relation, the, the the dynamic between what is too far normally and what can you get away with under a certain set of circumstances, and knowing his circumstances and going, okay, you get ten percent extra here, but be careful. And he always just went to nine, and then that was it. Yeah. So it felt it. I I couldn't tell if it was deft or lucky. But the result was I was thrilled, and also, you know, all the other things that you would associate with that movie. I was emotionally destroyed and devastated and all those things, but I was also thrilled because I didn't know if this documentary was going to come off the fucking rails. Like, I couldn't tell if the director was going to stomp into my bedroom and go, ah! (laughs) Or not. Like, I I didn't know where he was. Like, I was like, bro, you okay? You know? Are, are, Are you... Actually, still editing this, or are you just screaming
1: at the wind? It really did. It's funny you mention that because it really did feel like. It but was, it always it was, stayed Just barely on this side of it. The 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 con- the the editing style was an extraordinary stream of consciousness in terms of just like you know, the way he flashed images very quickly, the way he cut very quickly. It was very affected. Yeah, very effective. Yeah, it, it
0: was well, oh, affected, affected.
2: Affected. Yeah, With an A.
1: both. So,
0: but it also didn't necessarily throw me either way. Paul, you were rolling your eyes. You don't like your Zachary.
2: Oh, I haven't seen it. Oh, wasn't my eyes. Well
1: then, there you go. Oh. The only thing that
2: I've heard of it is that it's what you sad- is that it's like it, the
1: saddest thing. It's a sadness virus. It is. It is uh, the it is. saddest thing. The trailer will make you cry, and then the last line in the trailer is like, "And that's only the beginning of the story." And You're like, "Fuck!" Like, it's it's just so like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's a uh, it's the Game of Thrones of of true life like documentaries. It's just like it'll just wreck you emotionally. You now, indie I mean?
0: game. I don't know anything about the production of the movie Indie Game, but it was a I, Kickstarter movie. Got funded entirely through Kickstarter. It, that would clearly, whether or not it adheres to the necessary qualities that we've been sort of just stereotyping into the, the newer class of uh, independently produced documentaries. But it's certainly of the new school. It's a thing that was made recently, and mm-hmm. I think it was probably shot in like 5 or 70s. Kind yeah, of it oh has yeah. that look. <laughs> yeah. uh, and there's a lot of those that you are uh, skeptical of, but you really like indie game. What is indie game doing right that, that doesn't make it a shitty these guys don't know what they're doing documentary.
1: The the, the theme, I mean, the, the... Is it
0: just articulate with its story and characters? Is that all?
1: It articulates it, yeah. The, the characters are likable or relatable or empathic in some way and their path and journey is, hey, we're dumping a lot of our soul into this creative effort and a lot is writing on this and we're working really hard to make this point. Well, yeah, that's all compelling, but what does the director have to do with why Indie Game is so good? Oh, that's a good point. Um, what I think they do very well is, and this is what a lot of... A lot of documentary directing is filming moments and waiting for a spark to happen. And then once that spark happens, you you ignite it and then you follow it wherever it goes. And then when you're assembling the movie, because more so than any other genre, documentaries really are forged in, in the post, in the edit. And so it's once you have those moments knowing at what percentage to leverage them in and when. You know, um, there's a moment the moment for me that worked really well in indie game the movie was when the one gentleman uh who had been like coding computers since he was like a kid he shows like this one program that he designed just so you could hold your face really close to the screen and like flashing lights went off and he did that and there was just this little moment of like joy and it was also a good visual metaphor for what everybody was doing you know what i mean and like i i really loved that moment and that is a really that is a case of the director filming that going oh shit, we've struck gold and, um, and and let's follow this to its conclusion and let's, let's pair this. Also, when the guy who is coding Super Meat Boy talks about how Super Meat Boy has no skin and then he talks about how the quest of the game is that he's looking for Bandage Girl and Bandage Girl completes him and then it cuts to the footage of the guy proposing to his girlfriend in front of 3,000 people. Like, it's just it's knowing exactly when to recognize those moments that happen in real life that serve your greater narrative and then knowing how to assemble them and let the audience receive them in such a way. Um, when we were filming Fighting in Plain Sight and, and Paul was there when we interviewed um, Dan from Tap Out and just uh, we were talking about the fact that the, you know, if, if Fighting in Plain Sight, go see it. Uh, YouTube Fighting in Plain Sight. You know, or
0: friendsinyourhead.com yeah. slash F I P S. All caps they not do an awesome soundtrack.
1: Yes. Watch watch the movie first though. <laughs> but then but yeah, like it's documentary filmmakers, I will score your shit, pay me. There you go. Uh yeah, he did a good job. I endorse him heartily. Um stamp of approval. Eh, but eh, eh. the point is, is that when we we're interviewing Dan, uh we we're talking about the fact that this gentleman threw a fight. And this gentleman who threw a fight was also later turned out to have been convicted of murder. So when we are interviewing Dan, he really went off and he was really offended about the fact that he threw a fight for money because he said, nothing really offends the sport more. And then he gave this line of, that almost bothers me more than the whole murder thing. And the entire time I've been debating like how in the hell am I going to break into act three in seven minutes because that was the rules of the competition. And then this guy going I can't
0: believe he fucking threw that fight. Like that almost offends me more than the whole murder thing.
1: And I'm like that's my moment. That's it. That's how I break into act three. And I remember getting home and I'm assembling and Mike is there and Mike's Scott is there I'm like I got it. We got this moment. I'm going to do it. And Paul, Paul remembers like yep. He's like that's that's the moment that we can do it. It's for, for the circumstances we were under, it was the best way to do that in terms of, you know, the, the, the timeline that we're under. So you, part of documentary filmmaking is just knowing it's, it's like trying to catch rain. Like you're just really like trying to catch individual raindrops and then, and then have enough for a pot of water. And so, and a lot of times you, that's why documentary film DVDs tend to have a zillion hours of deleted scenes because all those things are good but in trying to tell your film, those things all have to fall at the wayside because if it doesn't ultimately serve, you know, then then who cares? You know, I remember when I interned on, uh, this is not a documentary film, but reality TV, again, we follow much of the same procedures. I was doing a show called making the band and I was an intern and I was apprenticing under Mark Radonis, who was an Emmy winning editor and all this other stuff and he edited together this big scene for where the band arrives at lou Pearlman's house and lou Pearlman's like hey i got a boat and it's like cool let's go on a boat ride and this is great beautiful footage of them going on a boat ride and he had it in there it was like a minute and a half thing and he was like two minutes over and he's like what should i trim and i'm like lose the boat ride you don't need it like it doesn't serve the story it doesn't it doesn't mean anything and it's a like, tone vignette so it's, it's like, like, oh, i like the boat ride. i'm like yeah it's fun but do you do you need it he's like yeah you're right and then it went out like the that decision times a million is a process of any single documentary film
2: I like it if you consider Sans Soleil a documentary that is my favorite documentary
1: and we were talking about this before recording so please explain exactly what Sans Soleil
2: is Uh Soleil is yeah for them movie from uh, <laughs> so they 1983 know that, so they know what that is 1983 by Chris Marker who you may know as the guy who did La Jetée which is the 16 minute long sci-fi photo montage film that served as the um, Obviously, creative yeah. basis for Twelve Monkeys. Yeah.
0: Um, oh, he makes fucked up pictures.
2: Yeah. Well, Chris yeah. Marker is all over the place. He's one of the greatest artists of the 20th century. Cool. Um, but Saint Soleil is from. <laughs> so
0: fuck you, Tig. Yeah. Uh,
2: uh, from the I, early 80s, no, it's
0: me. I'm that guy in the documentary who's made about
2: a guy brushing his teeth for you. Fuck me. <laughs> it's uh, sans Soleil? Soleil as in uh, without, without sun, the sun, sunless, or okay.
0: Can I speak French. <laughs> High um, five, Sinus. This is
2: hard to. It's what, what, so you described weird. it really well before the before we started. Right, recording. it is a it is a fictional recipient of fictional letters sent by a fictional cameraman, being read over footage, a uh, real footage that Chris Marker shot. Okay. Um, I see. Of why you stuff asked the all over the world, right? Uh, centering largely in Tokyo, Japan, and Guinea-Bissau.
1: So it's basically Fraggle Rock, and the uncle who was always sending letters.
0: I had it, then I lost it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but I get you. So your point is, okay, I totally get your point. I think everyone else does too. I don't need to re- re-explain it. I get what you're saying. Um, and
2: what I consider that a documentary. But it, but the movie is about the way history is written and the way memories are formed and how cultural memory exists differently in different places and how different concepts of time exist for different cultures all over the world
0: well that's something that's interesting just because your point has been well made i don't have a response to it so i'm going to just keep going but i like your point uh and i'm going to cue off of it that's when when people uh when i talk to people about the film exit Through the gift shop Right. There's always the conversation that happens. And if you haven't seen it, go see it. It's, it's really it's it's a worthwhile thing to watch. Uh, there's always a conversation that happens about the degree of authenticity within right. that film. Um, and I think that surely there is some shade of gray between it is exactly what it says it is. And it is a full eye. I think it's somewhere in the middle. And the question is, how much is it? Or is that the question at all? Because whenever I, I what you were just saying about Sans Soleil reflects to me the point that. I always make at the end of those conversations about fucking actually the gift shop, which is this is a movie that one way or another, say it was all scripted. Someone came up with a film that makes a very interesting, cogent, lucid and biting remark about art, about mm-hmm. our receptiveness to art and about our receptiveness to trends and all that shit. Regardless of how you get there, this film, this these reels of film when put together in front of a person Make a point about art that would be very difficult to articulate in any other form. Yep. Whether or not you call it a doc. So you're talking about Sans soleil and whether or not it it would count as something that's true. If it's fucking emotionally true and and, and a reflection and a statement at the same time, I feel the same way about exit. So I guess the answer is yes.
2: It comes back to, Eddie, your thing about is this better as a PowerPoint? Because you can literally download the letters, like the the voiceover, then hour and a half of voiceover mm-hmm. that constitutes saint Soleil, Yeah. But such a huge part of the emotional reality of that movie are the images that are playing underneath it while these letters are being read back.
1: Those specific images that the director shot. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I get you. And that's, and that's, that's my whole thing is like documentary, it, I can tell you what it isn't. It isn't just a purely information delivery system. That's not the point. Like that's not, I, the point is, the point. The point is to chronicle something in this real world that actually happened. To what degree and with what assistance we can debate is part of the art. You know, what I mean? it's
0: a, yeah, it's a shade of the paint, I guess.
1: Right, exactly. But it's like you know, um, the, uh, another great one dealing with that. And this is by far and away the most unique documentary I've seen in the last three or four years. Uh, was Marwin Call? I don't know if was familiar with that. I keep
0: seeing it on Netflix and keep not watching it.
1: Marwin Call is that the one with the little figures? The little. It's the, about but here's the here's the deal. A guy gets jumped and beat up outside of a bar severely like severely beat down to the point where he has like non brain reco- non-recoverable brain damage and they and in the first 5 minutes they discuss this and they show like how his early thoughts Like, he couldn't articulate, he couldn't write. Like, he was trying to write letters, and like, you would see letters he would try to write, like, Today was a good day, I did this, and then he just wrote L's for the rest of the page. I mean, it was just sad. And then, like, little parts would break out, like, I wish I wasn't in my mind. I mean, just like, he was just tortured by this. And working with different uh, physical therapy, he got his body roughly back to where it should be. Mentally, he got kind of there. And then, through the aid of his therapist, he created in his backyard a fictional town called Marwing Call. and all the characters were these Barbies and 12 inch G.I. Joe's that he redressed. And Marwinkal was a fictional city outside of Belgium during World War Two. And he created hundreds of different characters. And he came up with all these different backstories and relations for them. And he took these photos. And if you met him in real life, you would have an analogue very soon in Marwing of like a doll of you. But like it would be if he met you there would like within a week there'd be a 12 inch G.I. Joe who kind of looked like you and you're, you were Sergeant Blackburn and you were running off with this French girl in a Jeep. And like he told the, and he would do these amazing photo essays that would just, dist- I mean, just basically create this whole reality. And every time someone new is interviewed on camera, they would say their name, but it would just be a shot of them holding their respective avatar of their action figure up to camera. And they would be in the back kind of almost defocused and then they would say that. And then over the course of the film, what ends up happening is an art gallery guy in New York finds these photos and says, this is amazing. Let's bring them to New York. We're going to do a gallery showing. And then that opens up these questions about art and about what reality is. And so much of the movie is takes place in Marwan Call. Tim describing these actions in Marwan Call. That, to me, that works because while that is a constructive reality... It's the truth of that guy, and it amounts to an artistic statement. And it's it's very much an artistic statement. And it asks a lot of questions, just like just like people always say. Like the original Star Trek series posed larger questions and used sci-fi merely as a delivery method to explore these uh, notions of race and gender and you know politics and and war of the time. It Marwan Call and a lot of documentaries do that for much the same way. Have you seen know?
2: in the realms of the unreal?
1: Yeah love that and Caves of Forgotten Dreams and all that yeah Yeah. and Realms and Reels is is really good too that was another one without
2: having seen Maroon Call that's the is that a similar it's a a, a, a very similar yeah in terms of I mean the the reasoning and the yeah access behind it but just the idea of somebody's personal personal creative world and right and how that relationship
1: yeah how it interfaces with the real world we all live in and share yeah is there a Um, And that is documentaries by and large. I mean, it's just like, it's, it's you, I mean, all the only thing we're, the only thing we possess is our point of view and all of us in our own ways, just by remembering, because we don't remember every single thing that happens to us, our memories are nothing more than a documentary that we directed, you know?
0: Man, that's our first t-shirt. Boom. (laughs) Way to go, Sudden Doty. All right. Let me ask you this. Are we willing to, uh, start. Talking serious and coming and correct about the opinions that we have about documentaries, can we? Can we? Can we do yeah, that? Yeah, do that. Let's we see that do that. That. Let's see that now. Is there a documentary that is popular or otherwise well known that you fucking loathe, and can you explain why? Just as a way of sort of articulating more about the, you know, shaping the outline of what we're talking about here.
1: Yeah, yeah. Give me a second to, to think. If you but have you, one, you mentioned right like ahead.
0: you weren't psyched about uh, Fahrenheit
1: 9/11. Yeah, not really. I mean, it's just because again, any, I mean, anything that is just trying so fucking hard to convince me of something. I'm just, I automatically resist. It's, it's
0: a documentary that's the equivalent of like a hobo trying to tell you about the sad and it's, it's, a,
1: it's a paternal, I mean, regardless if it's 100% true or 100% right, it's very paternal and it's very like... Let just, me explain this to you, my boy. Yeah, and it's just like, this is why you should feel this way. To me, it's, it's those are like, almost like my reaction I have to What Dreams May Come. You know, What Dreams May Come is just so fucking determined to make you sad and make you feel bad for these people. <laughs> and it's like, fuck you, movie, get out of my face. Like it's And that's how I feel about the worst of the documentary genre.
2: Is it because, well, I guess it's, because a, it's, it's your job to know how to pull those strings. Exactly. You see and it's strings, like I see yeah.
1: your fucking tricks, dude. I know what you're, I do them myself and you're doing them worse. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like a pickup artist getting hit on by a pickup artist. Yeah. I mean, look, a good, a good example of that is, is the invisible war by Kirby Dick. There's technique there. There's reality footage there. You've seen the people doing about that. rape in the military, in yeah. the American military. And it's in many ways an academic study of it, and there's a lot of information to be downloaded and to be absorbed, but you never lose sight of the humanity. You never lose sight of the, the stories. And I just feel like it, uh, any film that is overly manipulative, I generally resist. And documentaries people really tend to hit the gas on that. And that's where I I, I generally just don't respond well to sicko i kind of felt the same way about you know sounds like you have a michael Moore thing going on i I respect him a lot in so many ways but i just i i I he makes compelling movies he's very talented in so many ways it's just that and also he respects his subjectivity
2: because he is so yeah yeah i mean he
1: he makes no he makes no apologies no bones about it and he's not trying to say he's objective when he's not he absolutely has a point of view and that's fine good for him it's just his technique's I feel the very. I actually was a huge fan of TV Nation, his uh, his TV show on Bravo. I I absolutely loved that show, and I thought he did. I thought what that was, was the his premise best of TV word. Nation. No, I'm sorry. What's um, TV Nation about? No, TV Nation was just basically a half hour version uh, similar to Roger and Me, him just basically getting the doing pranks and like on you know like for instance, there was a guy who got his uh he got his uh, health insurance denied when he needed uh, uh pa- like pancreatic transplant or something like that so they went they took the guy and they had him stage a mock funeral for himself at their at the company's headquarters just that sh- sounds almost avant-garde it was very avant-garde it was very like uh mum and shots yeah it was just very it was him but it was fun it was in small doses and the palate was to be cleared at the end of every commercial break sure. so it was okay um no i just i think a lot of films like i just there's some i'll tell you this uh the, the documentary that that just I, the, I i did not care much for uh, after porn ends I just, it's just a mess. It's just like, it may have interesting things to say, but there's just no narrative flow to that thing whatsoever. Any, anytime a movie just starts on an interview and just stays on an interview and then just goes to another interview and then we're just interviews with random people. I mean, and I say this because I've done the exact same thing. Life in the cage is very much that. And it, it suffers for it greatly. And it's just, you, you can't access it after a while. It's just people talking at your face. And if you don't know how to pace, if you don't know how to structure, if you can't build rhythms, there's reason why those things exist and you, just, you lose your point regardless of how noble it may be and it'll take a while to regain it.
0: I, I liked After Porn Ends, but I also hadn't talked to Eddie about the sort of philosophy of editing and, and, and what documentaries are supposed to be. Like, for instance, like off the top of my head, just hearing, uh, uh, queuing off the top of my head, queuing off of what you just said. It seems like you're having a, a conversation about form over content. content when you say that it shouldn't just be interviews
1: they have to be kind of hand in hand though like your 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 form should match your content There should be have you not been paying
2: attention if you're trying to separate form and content after everything that we've been saying about no this I'm just stuff keeping so conversation
1: far. going
0: and I have to come up with questions on the spot I do the best I can
2: no no it's fine it's <laughs> <laughs> well geez
1: make us feel like dicks about it I uh, <laughs>
0: mean I'm just over here being the lowball.
1: no I mean I it, it it matters in a lot of ways like because if, if and again if it has more to do with could a documentary be superb and be nothing but interviews I, I mean the Civil War is pretty superb but but there's like photos in the zoom exactly that's the thing it's know uh, don't, you just I don't need think, breathing room because again everything. because again it goes back to my it goes back to my uh, my TED talk thing it's like would this work fine as a TED talk or would this work fine as a lecture or an essay or a blog post and if that's the case and if your movie would make a great audiobook yeah if there's no value added by what my eyes are looking at then why I see what you're saying. Okay, you know what I mean that's interesting. So,
0: so I guess if I was, if there was a documentary that I hated more than anything else, like I, the the number of times I almost turned off Santa, the number of times, and by the time really I got, by the time I got to the end of it, I was you know as you would have expected, fucking psyched to have watched it, just because I didn't know where it was going. But for the first half hour, I didn't. I don't know. It just wasn't really working for me very well.
1: I love Senna as an editor because that's one of the few edit- uh, movies that's made Dude, entirely in Dude, it is a tour de force imposed. of editing. It is entirely in post.
0: And for that reason, I also thought parts of The Invisible War, or not The Invisible War, How to Survive a Plague, were really, really compelling. Yeah. Just in terms of it's like, this feels exactly as if you went out and got a, basically made a 60 minutes piece about something that's happening now, and you had access to everything you wanted to get footage of. Yeah. And you assembled that. In the editing room, and you know, it was everything that you had the choice of on the day, and everything you had the choice of in the room. And it's, the, I had that same feeling with Senna and uh, Plague because both of them feel like, yeah, that's probably exactly the movie they wanted to make. It didn't, I didn't feel the limitations on them when I was watching that. The found footage, it's literally found footage. Yeah. It's literally like, here's some VHS tapes from 25 years ago, and I wonder if I could build a story out of them. Uh huh. Sure can. Sure, Holy can. shit. Yep. And that sort of thing really impresses me. But Invisible War also, uh, how I, ke- I keep play? doing that. Yeah. I've watched them on the same day, so they're, you know, constantly linked in my brain, uh, but I had, I didn't actually, I guess that's probably the answer uh, for being very, very near and dear to my heart. The subject uh, of how to survive a plague, that might be the documentary that has angered me the most. Interesting. I got
1: pissed and fed up. Why? Just because of the, the relentless pace of it or?
0: No, the pace was great. Uh, if it, You know, I, I think it's actually more of a personal thing. It's not actually necessarily an artistic thing. It's more of a who I am and how I see the world sort of problem, but very few configurations of activism move me at all right uh, I, I, I I it sounds dismissive it is dismissive I, I find most activism to be easy and shallow for the same reason like for instance
2: it says the guy who changed the color of his never mind
0: yeah did my hair
1: no your avatar to green
0: oh yeah that's fucking no I know that yeah fuck me uh, self-loathing over here but um for instance anyone that is coming up to me on the street and trying to teach me about an issue that means a lot to them Ultimately has accomplished a zero-sum informational exchange with me because as much as they surely know more about it than I do, it's they also surely have more baggage about that issue than I do.
2: So you have a second for the environment? Exactly.
0: <laughs> so when the conversation is over, however long it lasts, I know... More things based on what they've told me, and I have to distrust all of them just because of the equal and you know commensurate offset of they might be filtering this just to get their point across. So now I don't know if any of what they just told me was true, right? So there's this totally unfair version of the world that I see where I don't give credit to people who care the most. Where it's like if you feel this strongly about it, that you're coming up to strangers and telling them how it is. What is that? What to are you, you not Senna telling though?
1: them? What in regards of Senna, though, how does this that
0: doesn't have, that was that was more plague? Senna, oh, plague, Senna, okay. Senna was just I. I don't know why I expected the world to you know treat me this way, but I didn't know that Senna was going to be what Senna was. Not about the dri- the driver, about form, about what right. that it it's entirely old. You were footage.
1: waiting for the the new camera footage. Yeah, I was waiting
0: game. for someone to start telling me the story. Right, and I didn't realize until the story was being told. To you until I was already kind of angry that oh wait hold on okay I see what we're doing here we're absorbing right. we're not being told we're absorbing got it uh, at which point I got back into it and by the end of the movie I loved it. Um, so that was more of a experience on the day sort of thing. And right. uh, and I guess plague is more of a just I'm dubious of people who can, and what's fucked up. And this is the thing that really annoys me about what I just said. What's fucked up is there isn't an issue closer to my heart than AIDS in the 80s. Like my godfather died of AIDS in 91. Like wow. his, he had a name on the quilt. Like wow. it's it's my shit. It's part of my family's history. It's one of my mom's nearest and dearest things. And right. she raised me and it's something that I care deeply about. And I found myself getting annoyed by what is clearly like oppression and and goodly, you know, going back in history and going, no, actually that was yeah that totally that yeah. activism and I'm still going yeah it's just fucking yeah stop yeah. it doesn't matter and I'm I'm, I'm simultaneously going. Yes, it does.
1: Right, right, right. So
0: I don't know. Maybe I'm just having a personal problem with that movie. That's not even an artistic... (laughs) Something to explore
2: in a very very different kind of podcast. That's just me
0: being self-loathing.
2: Okay, good. In any case. I haven't seen the movie, but it could be something where you understand Uh, more of it than the movie can manage to get across whether right. or not I don't know if that's I, a I feel like skill problem or I don't know if that's a compression problem
1: it, in many ways you're related to the issue but you're not because obviously you knew you knew that but you, I'm like a doctor
0: watching ER and going this is not even close to being the full story
1: right I know but then again but you also weren't a gay man living in New York in 1983 you know what I mean? And you have to prove I wasn't. <laughs> that's a very specific experience. You know, it's a very I mean, as as a lot I mean, Andrew Sullivan writes about this quite a lot during the the plague. I'll, era, I'll say this about plague. You know?
0: It felt fucking visceral and real yeah. and
1: palpable yeah. and, yeah. and, and inner like, like the protest footage. I, I can like I
0: could sign, I could carry on an entire hour long conversation about how to survive a plague where you and we never, will <laughs> where you would never know that I didn't like watching it at all. Interesting. I would just be telling mm. this like, oh, it's fucking amazing and you wouldn't believe it. But I didn't like watching it at all. So but I don't, it know, I don't know what's be going on a pleasurable there. Pleasurable
1: experience. It can be a valuable experience without a pleasurable one.
0: Yeah, but more like it's not like requiem for a dream to bring that one back into the picture for a second. It's sure. not like obviously that's or maybe, maybe maybe Schindler's List would be a better word. But like obviously I don't like watching this. Yeah. But I just appreciate the shit out of it aesthetically and You're artistically. Glad it exists. Right. That's not what's going on with Plague. Plague is more. I dislike what they did with it. I see. And yet all I can do is say really cool things about it. Like I, right. there's a very likely hour long conversation I would end up having with that where I never actually said, oh, by the way, I didn't like watching it at all. Well, and, and that's I it's, think it, it did carry all the energy and all the fun and all the stuff that, you know, that's... you want a documentary to do, especially when were you building it from found footage.
1: Right. But for some reason, I, <clears throat> I for some reason, I fucking hated Plague and I don't know why. Well, that's something I think we can hopefully do to accomplish with this with this podcast. And because going forward, like what I think we would like to do is we can take to. Documentaries that may not seem related on the surface, but maybe they have a different approach or a different theme to them somehow, or a different technique. I think Senna and uh, How to Survive a Plague would be a very interesting, uh, a very interesting comparison. You know, I mean, I think it would be very interesting to take those two films, compare them, and then see on their merits like which one we respond to better, which one of them works as films better to us. We've talked about this, and we have some ideas in terms of things that we can do. I think I think uh, The Invisible War versus After Porn Ends I think is a very interesting contrast. What's Senna about? Senna is about a Brazilian race car driver who was amazing. His name was Senna. His name was Senna. And he was very good and he was very, he's beloved in Brazil. And he had a very interesting story career with a very tragic ending. That's not, I mean, that's not spoiling anything. Uh, and the film is entirely 100% crazy listening footage. Like it all, maybe some new interview sound bites, but everything you see visually is period. You were watching shit from Betamax from, from eighty beta, five from like sp- obscure 90 sports minutes. channels. Yeah, it's amazing. and it's
0: and it fucking works,
1: right? I think another good contrast is a movie like Jiro Dreams of Sushi. When you compare that to a movie like uh, The American Scream, I think those are about very obsessives, p- very peculiar types of obsessions that you know this amazing art sort of finds a way to come out of.
0: We were talking about, but just to go back to it for a second, the like so invisible. Uh, I'm sorry, how to survive a plague and Incentive would be these different implementations of the idea of found footage
1: and documentary. Right. right.
0: Uh, after porn ends and the invisible war
1: ensemble tragedy. Yeah. That's, I think that's we, how we called it in our, yeah. in our discussion. Like it's just this ensemble tragedy piece, uh, you know, of, uh, but also just the, I, I was thinking about the commodification of sexuality and people who voluntarily place themselves where they think they're taking control of their sexuality, but really their sexuality is being co-modified away from them. Wow. You know what I mean? Like I think that's a very Good interesting... Good poll, Thank you. Uh, I think Exit Through the Gift Shop versus something like Grizzly Man, uh, there's an element of narcissism there that, yeah, that yeah, we yeah. can discuss between the two. And uh, Best Worst Movie and Comic-Con Episode 4, A Fan's Hope, I think are very specific passion pieces about... Uh, you know something very honestly the relationship
0: like, of irony in the modern culture yeah yeah
1: exactly and just and just a you know, communal sense well also just like how a community can rally behind something so tiny and obscure but it sounds like you're you know? not talking about like a review show it sounds like you're talking about a show where people just look
0: at two different pieces of art and think about them how they're similar how they're different and try to figure out what about them is selling what about them isn't and
1: how that works the whole thing is we're not a recommendation show we're not going to say go see we're not going to say go see we, yes or no to any particular movie Go see them all. But the point is, let's just start talking about them. Let's have more critical thought about document, like people of our generation, uh, the the youth, I think I, I, I see a lack of, by and large, a lack of critical thought and analysis of these things as movies before anything else, they're movies. So let's talk about technique. Let's talk about everything we do on What Are You Doing Movie? I think you can do with documentaries. It may not necessarily fit in that. So let's, let's, carve out a little piece of our soundscape here to dedicate towards that and look at it with sort of a different documentality boom be here all week thank you very much gentlemen this is gonna be a fun show i'm looking forward to this yeah, show it'll,
2: it'll be good oh um hey what was the subtitle on the the idea of doing a paris is burning slash dog town oh there we the, go that's another great one paris is burning
1: and dog town i think you're looking at two small niche groups who took this tiny thing they weren't doing it for fame or anything else they were doing it because they needed to and then it ended up being wild and it ended really up changing the world i'm serious like skateboarding versus uh, versus voguing i mean like those are two huge cultural milestones of the 80s you know what i mean and like it they changed the world but that's absolutely paris is burning is another great one a very early documentary and i want to get in more older documentaries stuff from the the late 70s the early 80s there's really i mean yeah, yeah for a fake what's that F is for fake F, F is no, but like, uh, uh, when we were Kings
2: or did you, or did you maybe, finally watch symbiose psychotaxoplasm? Yes, I did. Yeah.
1: Would, yeah. Would you, would you, uh, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. That's another film that Paul recommended to me, but I think, I think just in discussing and putting these two film, two different films, Side by side, it provides a lot of opportunity to open up the discussion. And what are we, if not discussion? Boy, it's crazy how much it
0: feels like we just ended the world's longest intro and we're about to start something really interesting. Right. Anyway, <laughs> so that will be sort of the mission statement of fucking documentality, which is such a cool word. Uh, it was going to be apocalypse, Basically, all the different puns we could come up with.
1: Anything involving combat or fighting probably came from me. That's just, that's my wheelhouse, folks. Yep. Anyway, so...
0: I look forward to joining you on this, and I don't know if I'm going to be there for all of them, nor do I know if Paul Lou is going to be there for all of them. But Paul Santagata,
1: thank you for joining us today.
2: Hi. You're welcome. Thank you so soft spoken Good night. It's you like have sort of like an NPR gentleman. thing going on yeah
1: exactly it's suitable with the documentary uh, I don't have enough syllables motif. in my
2: name to be an NPR correspondent <laughs>
1: <laughs> what the, What kind of name is Lakshmi or Kai Rizdahl that's not fucking words <laughs> uh, that's just not words that's at a all. Jedi name yeah. at best <laughs> exactly and Eddie the uh, Eddie Doty I will be here for all of these I think super so. cool man and uh,
0: we look forward to seeing more of you here on this particular show and until next week uh, go to friendsinyourhead.com buy a t-shirt uh, listen to some other episodes about people thinking about movies and uh, we'll catch you next week So until next week, I guess My name is T. Christie, Paul Santacotta Eddie Doty And this has been Documentality Ooh, I can see something differently here Bleah!
1: That's not a good way to end this We need something better That's Yeah, we awful. need something better We'll come up with something better <laughs> not, not the good night, good night, But definitely not a vomit of syllables
0: Trendsinyourhead.com